The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. My visit to Alderhey Hospital in Liverpool. Discrimination in New York against Trump supporters. Scott Israel is back in the news with a vote of no confidence. Bill Crosby and so much more. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is, of course, the show where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. I want to get right into the, the stories and I want to share. Um, if you've been following the show for the last couple of weeks, thank you. You know, I've been speaking about a story called Alfie Evans is a is a precious young boy in Liverpool Alderhey Hospital and the judges and doctors want to send him to death and the family have been fighting all the way. I've been raising this story for a couple of weeks and it's now got a lot of mainstream publicity in America which is amazing to see and thank God for the people involved that have been sharing the story. But I wanted to talk to you today about because I was actually on the ground on Monday. I saw the story, I've been reading the story, and I've been involved with some context on the ground that I wanted to get there. I wanted to sense it for myself. I didn't want to see it through someone else's eyes. I wanted to see it through my eyes. And I want to share some things with you that are so relevant to today, that so sum up our real problems of today, and just talk to you about what I experienced on the ground. So I flew in first thing Monday morning, first flight out of Dublin to Liverpool. I arrive in Liverpool um, just prior to 8am and I get my rental car and I, I go out to the uh, drive to Alderhey Hospital. And as I get there, Alderhey Hospital is like on a main street, but right beside it is a park. And I find it, my first vision of Alderhey Hospital is, is, if you can imagine, I'm driving on the road and I see this big building and it's got different colors, but over the top of the the building um, and on the sides, if you've seen pictures of it, it's all like full of grass and it's clearly very environmentally friendly. And I found that's my first scene of Alderhey Hospital. I'm like, how ironic is it that... You know, this hospital cares more about the environment and being environmentally friendly and saving our precious environment, and it doesn't care about saving a kid. That's my first opinion. So I park my car, and I walk up, and there's this group of people in, in the park, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're doing. Now, if you know me personally and privately outside the show, a little bit of a spoiler alert. A lot of people who speak out are not very extroverted people it's always the ironic thing when you actually when people who i know meet famous people in this industry they're amazed that they're not more extroverted i am very introverted it might shock you but i'm not the center of attention so when i go to places i tend to just be very quiet very reserved not in the middle of the party going yeah let's go so i get to this group of people and i just i 
didn't plan on engaging too much. I'd be polite, but you know, I I wanted to see the story. I just wanted to see exactly what the people were doing. So I walk into this park, and there's probably maybe 75, 80 people, and they're singing, and they're singing a song, um, "Hero" by Enrique Iglesias. I think that's how you pronounce the guy's name. Um, and they sang that song an awful lot, and they sang other songs like "Simply the Best." And they had got like football chants, which they've changed the words to, and um, to include Alfie. So one of them was uh, "Everywhere we go, people always ask us um, who we are, and we tell them we're part of Alfie's army." Um, so I start talking, and or not start start talking, just start mingling, seeing what the people are doing, what they're saying. There's a load of banners at the back um, saying, you know, we stand for Alfie, we're Alfie's army. In the top left-hand corner, there's this big, huge banner of Jesus, and I trust in you is down the bottom of it. So it's very interesting to watch. There are no more than 60 seconds, and a person, a gentleman, comes towards me. And his first question is, thanks for coming, where'd you come from? And my, I start talking, cause, and my accent sticks out. My accent sticks out everywhere, and like, did you come from Ireland? Like, absolutely, I came here for the day. And they're like, thank you so much, that's really so far, and we appreciate your sport. And because I wear a cross, they said, are you a priest or a pastor? And I went, no, I'm just, I'm very strong in my beliefs, and I do my best to share the word where I can. And they were like, can I ask you a question as a Christian? I went, Sure. Where's all the priests and the pastors? Like, the Pope spoke about this. Where are the Catholic priests? And I went, they're not been here. Nope. Uh, and I, then he said, where are the Protestants? You know, where are all the where are the religious leaders? Where are people like you who are very religious and leaders? Where are you? And I went, well, I'm not really a leader, but there was no one. And that sums up the world we live in today. There are many things we need to discuss, and we will discuss these going forward. Um, socialized medicine. Today's not the day for this conversation, but we will discuss it. We will discuss things like, is life sacred? Is life precious? How about parental rights? There are many things that we need to dis- address with this story, and especially going forward as this comes to America. But we need to understand, as if you're a Christian, or you're a Jew, or even if you're Muslim, there are many things we have to sort out in this world, but our, a lot of our work starts at home. If we can't come together as as Christians and say, you know what, life matters and we need to speak out for it, then nothing else in my eyes is, as a Christian matters. If we're going to be silent in this face of this evil, that's what kept going through my mind. Every time people say, where are your people? I kept thinking of a phrase, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Um, so it was really, really troubling. And that was a conversation I had many times during that day. It wasn't just one person. I heard many people say, "Where are my? where's my local priest? Why are they not getting involved? Why are they not doing anything? Second thing, when you see the media up front, up close, and this is not my first time seeing the media up front, you know what to look for. You know how they act. They're a, uh, I'm not going to call them fake news, but they are, uh, they're a sight to behold, let me tell you. The way they act around people, and you can clearly tell when people, you know, don't like people, you know, are not happy to be there. They were there for two reasons. One, to, you know, share the updates with the editor so they're psych and pull it. But they were also there for the real story, you know, if anything happens. And sadly, when I was there on Monday, the media got their real story, the newsworthy story, you know, the story that will sell papers, the story that everyone wants to hear. It's not about Alfie. 
It's not about parental rights. It's not about life in precious. No, the story they got that day was that people stormed the hospital. But what I found was, as I was reading stories the next day, typically the media eater did not know, did not care, did not seek to want to know, or just purely weren't interested in the real story, or telling the full facts of what actually happened that day. I was there. I actually have a Facebook Live of what happened. Now, it didn't get it right at the start, because by the time I logged in, um, by the time it logged in, and then I started the Facebook Live, I missed the first couple of seconds of it. But you'll still see the evidence. What is the evidence? So people tell you that, you know, there was a they big stampede at the door and they, you know, they went. What led up to that? There's a phrase in here which I'll say, it might sound very familiar to you. So let me give you the context of what happened. Because I was among these people all day. So we got an update. And it was a roller coaster day. We got good news, bad news, good news, bad news. The people were highly emotional. And it was always around Alfie's life support. Well, the last update we'd got before this stampede was that the hospital had then decided to switch off the life support machine and it would be switching it off at 1.30. Around 1.29, we're in, the, we're in this group of people and some people are still singing, some people are doing their chants, some people are praying. And so actually to lead up to this, about 15 minutes before, about quarter past one, maybe 10 past one, some of his family came out and just said, can we just pray together? And we said the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and then we said a few more Hail Marys, and then another Our Father. And the family are broken up, they're crying. So 129 comes, and this is literally the conversation that happened. Now maybe other people had other conversations, but this was loud publicly. He's got one minute left to live before they switch off his machine. Someone else then shouted, we have to do something and someone else came up with the idea, what if we storm the hospital, and then all of a sudden a lot of people started storming the hospital. Here's what and then the media showed it to you. They show all the pictures of the first few people. Here's what the media didn't show you in any of the reports. And if, any, if I've missed out a report, because I can't re-go around every report. If I've missed out the people have highlighted this, I apologize. Here's the real story that happened. First off... Go to my Facebook video um, if you want if you actually want to see the proof because I, que- I I always tell you question me as well. First thing was not everyone charged the hospital. There was a large chunk of people who stayed where they were and were actively shouting in colorful language something along the lines of "Get back." There was a lot of adjectives to that. I'm shortening this up for for radio. Get back. There are sick children in there. You're not helping Alfie. You're doing him harm. Get back. This is pointless. The second thing is, uh, the big headlines was they, they charged the hospital. Right? Again, go to my Facebook Live if you want to see this. I'm just going to say, if that's a charge, it's not like they're storming the beaches of Normandy. It wasn't a scene from Braveheart where they're all running, Yeah! Freedom! It was more of a... I don't know. I, I would say even saying a brisk walk um, was doing it too much, giving it too much emphasis. It was not a brisk walk. It was not a charge. There were some people at the start who ran and ran with vigor, but it was more like we'll just, you know, some people ran and kind of like, you know, run up to the door and then just stop. And other people went, oh, there's people at the hospital. I go see what happens. And you see them just wheeling their buggy going, I wonder what's going to happen here. Now, on a serious note, I'm trying to make it funny for you, because this it's a, it's a hard thing to, to talk about all the time. Was it the right thing to do? No. 
there are sick children in there. You're putting people in a really tricky position. I wouldn't have done it. I was not part of it. But I can understand the frustration of people where you literally get, they're going to switch off his life support and machine in one minute. What are you going to do? These, these people have been put up against a the wall. They're highly emotional. They're tired. It's really, really hard. But the media got their story. They got their newsworthy story, the one that will get all the clicks. Oh, protesters storm Alderhey Hospital. Next thing I found out. So i got to be honest with you. Um, this has changed my life. And there are some changes which you'll see, hopefully in this show. Um, but you'll see, you might hear stories or changes in me in the future. I can't say what they, those changes are because it's still in the discussion. But one of them is, we need to focus on what's important. You know, I, I got I to be honest with you, this week has been really tough because it's hard not to have disdain for our world right now. I'm going to be honest with you. It's really hard not to want to shake a few people. You know, some of the stories, uh, you know, if you're a long-term listener, you know, I always try my best to focus on principles. I don't waste your time. If a story is pointless, I'm not here just to fill up an hour of, of your day, which is which is filled with nonsense. You know, there's a reason I haven't dis- discussed Stormy freaking Daniels with you. One, because I don't think it's a story, and two, because I'm not going to waste your time. And three, because if you're like me and I don't follow as much media because I've... I just don't follow media 24-7. I just don't think it's a relevant story, and you've heard it elsewhere, and I can't add to it. You know, I, I'm sick and tired of looking at a former FBI director go hawk his book about honor when he acted with anything but honor when he was there. Um, I'm sick and tired of hearing about a royal baby. You know, and a lot of people who were on the ground felt the same way. It was amazing in Liverpool, because, again, I'm well among, among these people who... I don't have a lot in common with. I despise monarchs. And this is not a, a despise the, the Queen of England. I despise monarchs, full stop. I believe in freedom. I believe all people are created equal. So if you believe that and you truly believe that, you cannot go, well, I love the King and the Queen. They're awesome. I just love them. They are just amazing. Um, You cannot love a baby been born going, well, you're just not another baby been born. You're now sixth in line to become king just doesn't go with my belief system it's not that i want them hurt or as i don't um it's not that i have any public resentment against them which i really don't i just don't believe in their positions but a lot of people on the ground were really frustrated as well because while i'm there in liverpool and this pure baby beautiful baby's fighting for its life you have very few little media coverage of of the actual baby but at the same time, in another place in that country, you had loads of media attention, loads of paparazzi, loads of excitement about Kate giving birth to a baby boy, who is now sixth in line to become king. It's chalk and cheese. There's a big class difference in it over there. But we need to focus on our priorities and what actually is important, because I was among these people. They were good people. They were friendly people. They were nice people. Was there one, even one person in that crowd who shared any semblance of my views on government, on my views on economics? No. Was there anyone there who 
who let's even forget pop the principles was there anyone there who had heard of adam smith in case you don't know who adam smith is adam smith um emphasis a lot of my economics i share a lot of his economic principles and beliefs i believe in adam smith's view of capitalism did anyone know about who milton friedman was george washington i doubt it in fact i'd say it's quite the opposite among the people i was there I'm sure quite a few of them would describe themselves in some way as socialist, as left-wing. I'm sure some people there did not like America. I'm sure there are people around the world who don't like America for countless different reasons. I'm sure many people, if you asked, and while I'm no big defender of his, I'm sure people, if I asked people their thoughts on Donald Trump, some people would have said he's a dictator or a, a dangerous person and not a good guy. So I had zero in common with these people. But I spent twelve over 12 hours with them. They're good people. We can focus on what divides us all day long. Or we can actually focus on what unites us. Oh, you have a different opinion on President Trump. Oh, you have a different opinion on America. Okay, we can discuss that another time if that conversation is needed to have. But on this issue, we stand as one. Life is truly what matters. Life, standing for life, standing for little Alfie, standing for parental rights, standing against socialized medicine, going too far. What do we want to focus on? This story really has changed me, and among these people, what's the answer? The answer, in my eyes, is let's stop focusing on looking for left-wing solutions and right-wing solutions, and let's start focusing on the solutions. Let's stop playing the musical chairs that that politicians love playing and how they view things when they're in opposition and when they're in government and how they change their opinions routinely. Let's try and focus on actual eternal principles. It's why America is exceptional. It's why you are different. You know, someone asked me, which I'm going to do actually a show on down the road, but someone asked me when I said it, I made a comment that annoyed someone a couple of weeks ago. I said, John, you're so arrogant. You you think you can fix America in 30 minutes. How arrogant are you and how stupid are you? And I'm going to prove that in another show, but it's simple. Read your founding documents. You read your founding documents. You read your Declaration of Independence and actually try and understand it. You read the Constitution and you read the Bill of Rights. That pretty much solves 99% of the problems in America. Now, you'll still have a huge debt, but at least you might be able to put it on a sustainable path and reduce it over a long period of time. It doesn't solve every problem right away, but if you get to that point, you solve a lot of America's problems. Where you actually read then, dare I say it, actually spend more than 30 minutes and read the Federalist Papers. But again, that's a show down the road. But you can solve your problems if you read your founders. You have your unum. You have your belief. You are exceptional, not because of your politicians, but because of what your founders put in place. A system of government that was not based on man, but it was based on nature's law and nature's God. And it was even based on nature's law and nature's God, not my God. Not your God, not anyone's God, but nature's God, because it makes sense. You look at these truths, they're self-evident. You look at them, they're there. Or we can continue on in this path and and keep arguing about Stormy frickin' Daniels and whether it matters that Donald Trump, who he had, or who he did what with when. 
and James Comey, we can focus on all that divides us. Lastly, I'll make one point to you because, and I'm going to be very blunt about this, so excuse me. I've had some Americans come to me and say, because I've been reporting on this story, something to the long, John, that's a really sad story and my heart breaks for young Alfie, but I don't see why it's a big deal in America. That will never happen here. If you share that opinion or you even think that's possible, please let me say this to you. It's an arrogant opinion. It's a wrong opinion. If you look at your system of government for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, government's increased its role in your healthcare on both parties. I know people who listen to this show go, well, it's just the Democrats and Obamacare. No, it's both sides. George Bush expanded Medicare in 2004, I think it was. You now have a Republican House, a Republican Senate, and Donald Trump in the White House, and you still have not repealed Obamacare. Well, actually, and I'll even go one step further. When was the last time those words were even uttered? In anything more than a fundraising email from the GOP. When were the last time those words were even uttered in either house? You have expanded government's role in healthcare, and no one seems to want to stop it. You are on the path to a single-payer system, and neither side will stop it. I hope I'm wrong about that part. Second, you are $21 trillion in debt. The path this Congress put you on last week or last month, you will be at $38 trillion of debt in 10 years. It's unsustainable. It's wrong. It's immoral. Back in the day when I started talking about economics, not on this show, but, you know, in other places, I said if America ever got to $10 trillion, I don't think it could survive. I, thought, I think it will go bankrupt. I think there will be a major crisis. That was at $10 trillion. And the reason I picked that number was because I thought, you know what, America would get a wake-up call then because at $10 trillion, a clock will have to come down from Times Square, the debt clock. And people will go, why did the clock come down? Because there wasn't enough digits in it to actually say our national debt. That would be a wake-up call. People would go, hmm, maybe debt isn't a good thing if we have to change the debt clock in America in Times Square. And $10 trillion is a nice round number, and sometimes economists love bailing at a round number. That didn't happen. You went to $11 trillion, $12 trillion, $15 trillion, $16 trillion, $20 trillion. You're now at 21 If you think you can have government involvement in your healthcare and a $21 trillion debt that you won't have what happens to Alvy Evans, I'm sorry, you're gravely mistaken. That will happen. That will happen. And there is no point in, if we don't start the discussing this happening, there's no point in sitting back idly by going, ah, this will never happen in America. We're different, John. We are different to those people. To those also who just don't get interested in economic issues, let me just break it down simply to someone that you can focus on. Let's say this happened in America tomorrow, and it goes through the court systems. Are you really telling me the Supreme Court is going to stand with the parent? Are you really telling me the Supreme Court's going to stand with life? Are you telling me Justice Kennedy is going to stand with you? And say you have a right to life and you have a right to get care for your child? Are you telling me Justice Kagan is going to stand for that? Justice Roberts. 
Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But are you willing to take that chance that nine people on the Supreme Court wearing black robes who think they are better than you are going to stand with little old you and your child's right to life and right to get a care? Just something to think about. This can, I hope I'm wrong when I say this will come to America. Because there are many cases that has happened in America. If you don't believe me, just look up what happened to Justina Pelletier in Boston. I'm trying to sound the alarm for you right now, America, on two things. One, what you focus on and what your priorities are. And two, that this could happen in your country. I hope I'm wrong by that. It will make me no more... It will give me the greatest joy in this world if I am wrong by what I'm saying right now. And America never suffers this. But it could happen. It could happen. And that is the tragic thing. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Democratic leaders' liberal decisions have earned Baltimore the title of being a, quote, Democratic hellhole, unquote, (laughs) a term coined by the Blazes' Pat Gray. (laughs) That is awesome. That That, is awesome. That is so cool to be quoted by a a national publication and then to use that quote. (laughs) Awesome. You should be very proud of that, Pat. (laughs) I am proud of that. Pat Gray. Weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before we move on to a subject I want to talk to you about, I want to just share one last thought with you about Alfie Evans. You know, I've been trying to reach out to people, trying to, you know, raise this issue with people, trying to get people to speak out, trying to get as much attention to this story as possible. And I want to give a big thank you to, to my boss, Glenn Beck, for raising this issue last week and um, one of the first biggest one people in america to do so and because he spoke out in part or in all or in no part loads of other people have been speaking out and kudos to people like the daily war ben shapiro and um, matt walsh michael knowles mark levin buck sexton all these great people steve deese uh, michael berry all these people bringing up the issue is great to see people not talk about it even fox news ran a segment so thank you but I reached out to someone who I don't have many friends left on the hill um, because of, you know, principles. But I reached out to one of my friends on the hill and I was like, you know, are, are politicians talking about this? And, you know, what can we do? And just trying to get some advice. And there was a nice long reply from my contact on the hill, but one of the sentences is really troubling. And they said, uh, I don't know what I can do to help but I wish and my prayers are with you. However, you have a long battle ahead of you. The sad truth of the world we live in, John, is there are certain issues that will unite us. Everyone agrees no child should ever go hungry and that we should do things in charity to stop that. Everyone can agree, even on the hill I've seen it, 
the organizations you support, like OUR Rescue, which is Tim Ballard's wonderful organization. Please keep them in your prayers, by the way. Um, that sex slavery is bad, that no kid should ever be forced to, you know, perform a sex act for money or even if they don't, or no money if they don't get the money. Everyone can agree on that. However, ending a baby's life is something that is very divisive and I don't know if we'll ever, ever get a consensus on it and that it will not become political. This is true. I knew this already, but there was other things in the email which I can't share with you for... It's, I don't share emails with people. But how sad is it, the world we live in, that it's controversial to keep a baby alive and it won't get consensus and, and you know universal support right now. But, you know, if we talk about, you know, a kid going hungry or a kid being raped, we're all about it. We're all supporting it. And rightfully so, but surely fighting for a kid to live is important. I'll keep you updated on what happens with Alfie Evans over the coming days, weeks, and months, if you're interested. But I want to move on to another story. It was an interesting story from New York this week, and I've seen conservatives' reaction to this, and it's been interesting to follow. Some are, A lot of conservatives are upset about this, and I actually want to take a step back and see the bigger picture and say, this actually, if you believe in the free market is a good ruling, and it could set a precedent in place that could favor the free markets. The story is, and it was on the blaze earlier this week, New York judge rules that bar, bars can kick out Trump supporters. A Pennsylvania man who sued a New York City bar that booted him out for being a supporter of President Donald Trump lost his case in a Manhattan courtroom on Wednesday. Um, the Supreme Court Justice... Uh, David Cohen ruled it's not outrageous to toss out a Trump supporter because there are no laws to protect against political discrimination. Uh, Greg P- uh, Piet, Pet, I can't pronounce this guy's name, I apologize, P- Piatek, P-I-A-T-E-K, he's a 31-year-old accountant. He stopped by the happiest hour in West Village after he paid his respects at the 9-11 memorial in January 2017 which was shortly after Trump was sworn into the office. Um, he wore a Make America Great Again hat into the bar, and his he said he and his buddies received rude service from the bar. Um, quote, anyone who supports Trump or believes in what you believe is not welcome here, and you need to leave right now because we won't serve you. Um, he filed a lawsuit for a, an unspecified amount for emotional damages. Um, he claimed the bar was offended, he offended his sense of being an American. Um... Apparently, when he got to the bar, the employees wanted him to take off the hat. Uh, rather than remove a hat, his hat, he said, uh, it held true to his spiritual belief and was forced from the bar. You can read more about this story in The Blaze if you want. But a lot of conservatives are angry right now. They're going, how dare you? How dare you say that against a you know Trump supporter? How, why would you do that? That's just wrong. That's all this. You can use all the, the outrage. But I want to take a step back and say why this actually could be a positive step. Why this actually could be a really positive step, both in the free market and in why I welcome this step, actually. i got to be honest with you. And before you think, oh, there's John again, and he, just, he has this hatred for Donald Trump and anything regarding Donald Trump, he'll just find the opposite way. No. Let me explain this to you in principles. So first off, if you know me, you know I'm not the biggest Donald Trump supporter out there. When he does something good, I'll say it. When he does something bad, I'll say it. I believe in principles first. However... 
not that I'm going to be in New York anytime soon. However, the next time I am in New York is a city I usually visit when I travel there. I know for one thing, as a free market person, I'm not going to stop in the happiest hour in West Village. Because a bar's job, and I used to work in a bar a very long time ago, a bar's job is you come in, you make people feel as welcome as possible, you feed them, you drink them, you be as nice as pie to them. Even if they're jerks, yes, even if they're jerks, you'd be nice as pie to them. Why? Because they give you tips. It's a very simple industry. You can talk about sports. You can talk about you know politics of the day. You generally agree with stuff. Um, even if you don't agree with it, you just be as nice. That's what you did. You want to give them the best experience possible. And the better experience you give them, the more money you earn. I believe that is a capitalist principle, right? I'm not going to stop in the happiest hour in West Village, and I guarantee you, because people like the Blaze have picked this story up, people in New York who are really pro-Donald Trump supporters and love Donald Trump are not going to shop there. So here's the simple first principle why I think this is a good idea and why I support this move. In the world where people go, well, you, do you want people openly declaring they're racist and openly declaring their, their, their hatreds? Yes, I do. Because... Let me talk to you in economic terms. When people reveal who they truly are and who they stand as, people then get to decide if they want to give them business. You know, people always go to the race issue. Are you telling me you want someone to to discriminate against someone on the race? No, I don't. But I'd rather know who they are. Because if there's a racist or if there's a bad person or if there's a zealot or if there's this happiest error in West Village who are discriminating against Donald Trump voters... We will all know that, and we can decide where we go. The happiest era does not have a monopoly on anything in New York. So instead of going there, they'll go to another place. In fact, if I owned a bar in New York City right now, as a capitalist, as a free market person, I'd put up a sign going, people from all political parties are welcome. Regardless of your ideology, come, have food, have drink, have a wonderful time, and then leave. I'd run that type of campaign to show the stupidity of this. But because we know who this village, this bar is, it's the happiest hour in West Village, don't go there. Their profits will start hurting. More people won't go. That's wrong. Can't discriminate against someone because of who they voted, because they voted against. That's just stupid and wrong. It's a bar. Bar's not really a place to make a political statement. It's wrong. It's stupid. The bottom line will be hurt. Then they have two choices. Either they can say, you know what, we were wrong. The people involved are wrong. We're going to fire them. We've made a change. All are welcome. And then you can all decide whether you go back or not. Or two, they can double down and potentially go out of business. Second reason I think this is a good idea. If you've been following the show and some of the big stories in, in America over the last two, three, four years... You'll know that one of the stories we talked about on this show a lot um, when it was a couple of years ago was the baking a gay wedding cake. As a person who believes in free market, I'm a free market person. You don't have to agree with me, but I believe in the free market system where you are free to pursue what you want. To pursue your happiness, if I may dare declare your independence, quote your declaration of independence. Should someone be forced to serve someone else? No. In the gay wedding cake and in other cases after where people had like ranches people were saying yes you must serve them you if to do so to not do so is discrimination and you can be charged and you can be fined and you can be put in jail for me as someone who believes in a free market 
And I emphasize the word free because it's not just free, it's freedom. Telling people they have to serve people, I find the moral and wrong. I don't like that type of system. The fact that this went to court and the precedent that has been set in legal terms in New York is, yeah, you know what? You don't have to serve someone you don't want. I welcome that. I think that's a great idea. In fact, if I was a liberal, if I was a liberal right now, who actually had common sense, who actually believed in my worldview and wasn't just, you know, I think people like Glenn Beck have coined this term of Trump derangement syndrome. If I didn't have that, I'd be like, no, you you must rule with this person because it's biting and eating ourselves. Because on one hand, we think it's discrimination to not bake a wedding cake and we want that in the system and we want that precedent in court that you must serve people, you cannot discriminate. But yet in New York, they've just said, yeah, no, you can discriminate. If I was a free-thinking liberal, I'd be like, that's a really bad thing for what we stand for. This is not something we should celebrate. However, because everything is political now and we don't actually base anything around principles, conservatives are not too happy about this. They feel sorry for this person. And liberals are going, yeah, let's get them. Of course we don't have to serve Donald Trump supporters. Musical chairs. Musical chairs. The reason I'm happy about this court case is also another thing, just from a legal point of view. The legal system in America, in Ireland, in England, around the world is very complex. And people need to understand one thing. If you ever actually, and in case you don't believe me or question me, I'd urge you to listen to any court case you can and listen to it for a period of time. Because what you will find is... You know when you go to a court, whether it's a speeding ticket or whether it's a a case like this discrimination or whether it's a case on the Supreme Court, it's not, you'll never rarely hear the question of, well, what does the law say? What does the law say you can and can't do? What is the actual wording of the law? You very rarely hear that in court cases. You might hear it in some, but it's very rare. What you will hear is, what is the precedent? What's the case law? You know, if you ever hear, if you ever wonder why, if you ever read Supreme Court decisions and don't, they're very painful to read 99% of the time. Um, It's one reason we miss Antonin Scalia, because at least he tried to make something very dull, very interesting. Um, Is you'll see this case law, well, well, you know, Brown versus Board of Education or, or Marbury versus Madison, you know, just naming some famous cases that you may have heard, quoted this. And the, the, the dissent said this, and or the pro said this, the ruling side said this. You, it's all about the precedent. What does case law say? It's not what the actual law says. But what is the actual law in the books? It doesn't matter. It's what the precedent said. And what ruling went this way and why did it go this way? That's what they all care about. So precedent, anytime you're talking about the law, precedent is very, very important. The precedent this set in the New York, uh, in Manhattan, is you can actually rule, don't have to serve someone if you don't want believe them. If you don't like their beliefs, you actually can do that, which is a very interesting precedent to set. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The Glenn Beck Program. And the mere fact that the UK has gone from banning guns to kitchen cutlery is actually enough for us to laugh. But the crackdown on inanimate objects didn't stop there. They're also confiscating, and this is not a joke, scissors, pliers, 
screwdrivers, and hammers. Pretty much anything that could be used as a weapon. What's next? You know what? They strangled that person to death. I want to ban hands. Congratulations, UK. The Glenn Beck Program. Freedom's Disciple On Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. You know, it's... Life is really hard at times, and life really... Life can really kick you at times. And when you don't have your priorities in order, and what's really important, it can get even harder, because you miss real stories. You know, one of the reasons why I finish the show the way I do every week is is to remind you, every one of you who listens, that there are real heroes in our society. There are men and women who walk among you who are just ordinary people, just like you. They have the same concerns just like you do. They have the same worries. You know, worried about putting food on the table, worried about making the the mortgage payment, worried about their kids in school, planning for the future, worried about where your country's going. They're just like you. They live, they sleep in the same type of bed that you do. Same drive, same cars as you do. They're exact same as you, except they're heroes. They do things that not every citizen does. They risk their lives 24-7 for a safer community, for a safer world. Those people, of course, I'm talking about are policemen, firefighters, emergency personnel, and veterans. The big difference between a average person who just has a job in the local school or in you know in stock market or in a company the biggest difference that you have your life has that these lives have is that imagine the next time you go to work or you leave the house and you kiss your loved ones goodbye you just do it you might even kiss them you might just go i'll see you in a few minutes i'm i'm popping down to the store or i'm popping to work i'll see you this evening for dinner and Mathematically, you know that 99.999999% of the time you'll see that person. Can tragedy happen? Tragedy can happen to anyone at any time, but by the law of averages, you, you know, barring a, an accident or a heart condition or being caught up in a bad situation, you know you're going to see your loved one that's e- this evening. You know you're going to be able to help your kids do their homework. When you're a hero... While it's still 99% of the time, there's always that much more risk. That kiss goodbye could be the last kiss. There's always that part of your mind that says, I'll help you this evening with your homework to your kids, knowing that it might not be the last time. You don't know what situation you're going to find yourself in. You know, one of the the most frustrating words I see is people just ex- roll certain words off their their tongue because it's just to to it just becomes routine. One of them is you know this. Well, it was just a routine traffic stop. When they talk about police, 
There is nothing routine about a traffic stop. You don't know who you're stopping as a police person. You don't know what their intentions are. You don't know what they're feeling. You don't know their mental state. You don't know if they've got felonies, if they've got convictions, if they have a gun, if they don't have a gun, if they like cops, if they don't like cops. You don't know who you're stopping. And you know there's a chance it could go wrong. You also never know what you're going to hear over your radio and where you're going to be sent on a particular day. You could be just driving in your police cruiser and having the quietest day. And all of a sudden you're sent somewhere. Sent to a a kidnapping in progress. A fight. A robbery. The emotional toll this must take is incredible. You see humanity at its worst. And you have to f- try and remember without, being a, without ego that you represent what some of what's best in our society. You know, every week or every day, not every day, but every week there's a story of a police fatality, it seems. It seems we have this culture where it's now cool and hip to hate on police people. Is every police person who serves in America and around the world good? No. There are some very bad police and they need to be brought down. There are some police who abuse their powers. There are some police who are just like every part of society. You know, not every human being in society is good. There are some people who are filled with hate. There are some people who do the wrong things. If they get power, they'd abuse them. There are some people, and the police are no different, that are really bad people and should not have any power in society. They're not just bad cops, they're bad people, and they've broken the law. They should be prosecuted through the law. They should be arrested, a case brought against them, and then brought to, and have a jury of their peers judge if they were right or wrong. It's not a blanket statement of support. It's a case of there are some bad cops, but there are also a lot of good cops. I want to share two stories with you about cops. Firstly, from Dallas this week, there was a situation in a Home Depot. And sadly, yet again, we arose to the news that we've lost another cop in Dallas. Officer Rodrigo Santander died at 11, 8, 11 a.m. His fellow officer, Crystal Almedia, is laying in a hospital bed, wounded in critical condition. The situation all started a Tuesday around 4pm. There was a, a call of a robbery from a Home Depot in Lake Highlands, which is apparently somewhere in northeast Dallas. What makes this situation even more tragic was the security guard working there, who had caught this guy shoplifting, was also an off-duty police officer. And while he ran everything um, through the book, when he gave him a pat-down, he missed a gun. When the police arrived there, the young man in question pulled a handgun from his pocket and started shooting. Right at the two police officers. And then he sped away. Dallas is also a place where is still hurting in many ways. Dallas is a community which witnessed, was it one year ago, two years ago, that horrific, senseless violence, murders, 
sniper shooting at the police. I think they shot like four or five policemen. So it's still a situation where it's wounded. We need to have an honest conversation in our communities about police and their role. A policeman's or policewoman's job is impossible in many ways. It's a job that, in truth, is the impossible job. It's a truth because of public opinion is the impossible job. Because if you do your job to the T, if you think of any crime, you know, just from a, a misdemeanor to assault to robbery to rape to murder, if you do your job to the T and you have all the evidence and it's a slam dunk prosecution and that person gets away, or sorry, doesn't get away, but gets sentenced to jail, congratulations, you did your job. Wonderful. If you happen to make a mistake and you're, you're not every I is dotted and every T is crossed, if you happen to make a mistake, you are Satan incarnate. You didn't do your job. What are you doing? Are you stupid? Are you incompetent? And of course, if this story gets out, there'll be countless funny memes going around the internet. Ah, there's so-and-so police officer. Instead of worrying about evidence, he cared more about getting the local donut run. Or, you know, you have the stories about corrupt cops or crooked cops. It's an impossible job because no matter what you do, you'll never really get any credit. Do, do your job? Well done, you did your job. Make a mistake? What are you, stupid? And yet they are some of the best among us. Because they every day they leave their house, they leave their house knowing that there's a chance they might not come back. They see all the hate, and especially right now, Hating on police is popular. They, they're, they're not in living in a bubble. They see what people say about police. They, they know exactly the chance of people like Black Lives Matter. They see it, and yet they go and do their job anyway. You know, in this polarized world of politics, where it's left versus right, and pro-Trump versus anti-Trump, and GOP versus Democrats, you know, we can learn something from police. Police see everything that is said about them. Police will be abused on the street and harangued on the street, insulted, spat upon, laughed at. But if something happened to the person who was spitting and insulting and laughing at that policeman, and something happened, the policeman would still go help them. Policewoman would still go help them. Would you? It's You might think about it. But these people do it. And they do it on a routine basis. Because their job is to uphold the law. Whether you like the laws or not, and hell knows if you've listened to this show, there's certain laws I don't like. You work to change the laws. You don't hate on the police. Can the police get better? Absolutely. Everyone can get better. Policemen, politicians, us, each and every one of us. I can get a lot better. I can become a better person. No one is immune. There is no one living that I can say, you know, you need, you don't need to get better. You're perfect the way you are. We'll never be perfect. But this hatred among for police is becoming way too popular. I also want to give you just a quick update. Um, you might remember a really bad policeman. And he's not even a policeman. He's, a, he's an elected policeman. Scott 
Israel. He, this guy is the sheriff from Broward County in Florida where the Parkland shooting happened. Um, this guy's a joke. This guy, some of the stuff um, he has said, just, guy's a joke. Doesn't, in my eyes, is not fit to wear the uniform. And I know some people don't like me saying that, but that's just my opinion. He has done so many bad things. What he did to my past colleague, Dana Lash, I found despicable and wrong. Um, when you consider all the evidence that he was sitting on and his group was sitting on, um, that didn't get out and he went up and harangued Dana was just, just shows you what a low life this person is. But there was a vote of confidence in him this week. Um, there's a union, the Officers Deputy Association, which represents ter- 1,325 deputies out of the 2,560 certified deputies in the county. Um, they came and had a, a vote on him. Fi- the vote was unanimous. 534 to 94 voted no confidence in, sh- in Scott Israel. Now, the thing about this vote is, just to bear in mind in case you haven't been following this story, is this vote is largely symbolic. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't hold any great power. He's not going to lose his job. However, the governor of Florida, who is Rick Scott at the minute, does have the power to remove the sheriff from his office at any time. And maybe this vote of no confidence, because it's such a large representation, said um, maybe this forces a question to, to, to Governor Scott's desk of whether he should have confidence and whether he should, shouldn't or whether he should stay in the job or not. And maybe this symbolic vote actually might have some sway. We can only hope. However, Scott Israel came out with a... Uh, he responded to this vote and I quote, I will not be distracted from my duties by this in- inconsequential IUPA union vote, which was designed to extort a 6.5% pay rise from this agency. Those who purportedly voted in this straw poll reflect only a small number of the 5,400 BSO employees. The unions representing the vast majority of our employees solidly support the leadership of this agency. End quote. That's his response. We have to have many conversations. And in truth, when I say we, I mean you. Because I'm not an American citizen. I don't have that honor and I don't have that right. We need to focus on what's really important. We need to focus on... We need to have honest conversations and not make this about left versus right, but about what is eternally true. The police... The vast majority of police, and as someone who knows some police who serve in different agencies in your country, as people who, a person who's met a lot of police, they are good people. They are just like you. They are put in horrific situations day in and day out, and they do their best to survive, to enforce the law, and to do the best job that they possibly can. I'm not saying a blanket statement of all policemen are good. I don't believe in these blanket statements of all police are great and all police suck. I don't believe in either of that statements. I believe in principles. When police are right, we'll be the biggest supporter. When police do something wrong or if police do something wrong, I'll be the first one there saying that's wrong. It's about principles. It's not about people. Even for people like police. 
And even though I spent about this segment talking about police, the same is up for firefighters and emergency personnel. And, and you know, you never know what environment you're going to go into, where there's a fire, where there's an, an emergency. You don't know what situation you're walking into, especially firemen. You know, you're walking, would you run into a burning building? Now ask yourself, would you run into a burning building wearing that uniform, carrying all that weight? It's not an easy job. It's a horrific job. Knowing that one false step, you could be killed. That you could make one false move and you could be trapped in a blaze of fire and never come out. And then dying by fire is not exactly a painless death. These people risk their lives. And I'm not even talking about your vets. Vets overseas. This show, and I can't speak for anyone else, this show will continue to try and share the stories of police, firefighters, emergency personnel and vets by saluting them as as heroes in society. Because they're just like you, except they do extraordinary things, risking their lives at any moment for a better society. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Disciple on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I want to finish up today's show by just talking about little odds and ends. You know, I'll be honest with you, the last couple of weeks I haven't been paying much attention to the news, and in some ways I'm delighted because I, I just it gets me away from all the, the hubba bubba of the daily news grind. I've been totally focused on young baby Alfie and doing a lot of things behind the scenes to try and get his story out but doing the research for this show and and people sending me a few things and keeping me in the loop of things we need to discuss I wanted to share a couple of stories and a couple of thoughts with you um, before we finish up today's show first off I'm going to share one sad story personally for me um, and then I want to share some some stories that might make you laugh so, on a personal note, we saw some bad news this week. And I'm I'm delighted that I'm conflicted on this story. I'm, I'm really sad personally because of the memories this person invoked uh, in me. And, you know, in part, truthfully, always will. But I'm delighted that the truth has got out. Um, that story, of course, is Bill Cosby. Um, a Pennsylvania jury found him guilty on three counts of sexual assault, including drugging and molesting a woman this this week. Um, I'm conflicted on this story, not because of of not because of the accusations or the evidence, but because of who he was to me as a child. And there's a part of me that will always be sad about this story for a couple of reasons one you know the childhood memories and two because he was such a hero to so many because of the persona that he had and the good he did that it's now ruined and that i find so tragic 
you know, it's so sad that when I was growing up, Bill Cosby was one of my idols. I loved the Cosby show. And when I see the way race relations are now, and when I see all the division, I mourn for the situation I had when I was growing up. And I'm again, I'm not an old person. I'm not like some 60, 70, 18-year-old going, back in my day, I'm 30-something. I'm in my mid-30s. And, you know, when I was growing up, he was an idol. And... You know, when I was growing up, and because I grew up in Ireland, you watched the Cosby Show every week. And you didn't think, I didn't look at the Cosby Show and go, oh, there's a black family, and, you know, he's a doctor. And I didn't even see them as black. And I still don't care about color. I think color is the most, it doesn't matter. It's who you are as a person. But I didn't see this as, oh, well, there's a black family just as normal. And I didn't know about the history of, you know, racism in America. And I, you know, as a kid. But I just saw them, and I just saw just they're just like us, you know. They have their ups and their downs, and you know it was a black family, and it wasn't. It was a black family. It's just another family. They were your family, and so many people my age grew up watching them and loving them, and not seeing any difference. And how we've traveled, and how we've you know, not progressed but degressed is something I find tragic. But on this story, I find it even more tragic that someone, and I can only speak for myself, someone I grew up idolizing and loving as, as in some ways, America's dad, turns out to be a dirtbag and is something I find tragic. It's, I wouldn't say he was a hero, because, you know, he's just an actor, but... In some ways, he, he he his legacy was amazing. And to know the real legacy is, I personally find it really, really sad. I find it sad for my childhood. And I also find it sad for the world we live in that a, per- a person with such a good legacy actually wasn't who they said they were. And if you feel the same way, I'm sure you'll be able to, you know exactly what I'm feeling. I'm struggling to put it in the right words, but it really was a... A sad story. Um, on more positive news, um, I actually want to share a Yankee story with you. Um, and you know, Yankees are winning right now, which is awesome. We just swept the Twins, woohoo! Um, but it's not about baseball. There was a really tragic story put out online of a young girl called Cassidy, and um, she did a Facebook Live video where she said nothing. She literally just had these white pieces of paper written on them, and. Um, if you can't find it, if you go Google the story, um, the New York Yankees anti-bullying video, you'll see the video, which I'll talk to you in a second about the Yankees, but you'll see Cassidy's video as well. But basically, she was spat on, she was threatened, been threatened to be killed, they were telling her to kill herself. There was four bullies and only one of her, and she put out this appeal saying she felt so alone and that bullying is wrong. And kudos to the New York Yankees, because you know I love the Yankees, but even if you don't like them, or even if you think they're the worst team and the most evil team in the world, um, it's great to see um, Aaron Boone, CeCe Sabathia, Brett Gardner, Giancarlo Stanton, um, Dallin Batances just come together, and they didn't say it, and they did what she did with the white piece of paper, and have invited her to New York Yankees and said that they're in their corner. Um, It was one of the 
nicest things I've seen in a while. Um, you know, the one thing I've seen and I've seen so many times around the world and is it's people thinks it's these people think to change the world it takes these big gestures that it takes major things to change the world. In many ways, it really doesn't. It just takes small things. Small things really change the world. Just doing a lot of small things on a regular basis changes the world. And especially to someone like the Yankees. You know, it doesn't take anything for the Yankees to, you know, do a, a PR video supporting Cassidy and then having her to lunch at New York at the Yankee Stadium and then maybe go to a game. It doesn't cost you anything. But to that kid, to that kid, I don't know if she's a Yankee fan or not, but to that kid, it's amazing. That someone's recognized me. That I matter. That I count. I have some some emotional connection. That's, you know, I'm not alone in this world. That someone recognizes me. Someone knows I exist. So kudos to the, to the New York Yankees. And I'd say this about any team, by the way. Bullying is something, is an issue very dear to my heart. And I don't think I've ever told you why and maybe I will one day but I have no time for bullying of any kind bullying is wrong and when we see bullies it's important that we step and stand beside the person who's been bullied because bullying can will leave an emotional scar for your life I can tell you that for a fact Another story I want to share with you just for a bit of fun is, um, you know, I've I've always said this and people who are really religious don't like when I say this, but, um, you know, I, I think God has a really great sense of humor. You know, it, there's certain things I, I if, that have happened to me that I find he has a really funny sense of humor. Um, one of them is, you know, I can grow a beard, I can grow a... If I left it long enough, I could grow a beard that is as good as Phil Robertson. If you don't know Phil Robertson's Duck Dynasty, I could grow a beard as good as those boys. It would take me time, but I would grow it, and I have pretty good facial hair growth. However, in to prove God has a sense of humor, I cannot grow hair on the top of my head to save my life. It grows, but it's like uh, it's it's like a weed. It grows in a little bit here and a little bit there. Hence why. I have to shave my head because I just don't like it and I I think it looks better and I just don't care about hair anymore. But it's a sense of humor, you know. You, you can't grow it on your head where you, everyone grows it, but you can grow it on your face. Well, why am I talking about God having a sense of humor? So I don't know if you heard this, that we've had a science, uh, a scientific breakthrough this week, which is just every six-year-old boy is going back to their six, been six-year-old again when you heard this story, if you heard this story. But um, apparently NASA and people around NASA have made a scientific discovery, discovery that, um, you know, Uranus not Uranus, but the planet Uranus. Well, apparently it smells like farts. Um, again, every six-year-old boy was just like, this is hilarious. This the, Only God could come up with this story. <laughs> this is a proof. If, if this doesn't prove to you that God exists and God has a sense of humor, I don't know what will. Um, but that was one of the big stories this week. Uh, it was, I, I found it, uh, just as the six-year-old of me was like, I told you, I always said it. But um, that was a six-year-old boy. I'm not six years old anymore. I'm 
I'm seven. Um, the last story was, and this is, I found this funny, but it, it's, it, it's, it's interesting. I'll leave you with this story. So there's a story on the blaze this week. Um, a woman in North Carolina who is a transgendered female has filed a lawsuit against the prison. Now, there are many reasons you might, you know, as a person, and might want to file a lawsuit against a prison. Apparently, there's the allegation, and it says they're not allowing her to practice Wicca, um, which is witchcraft, um, which is amazing. But in, in the lawsuit, she's saying that, you know, um, her religion is not just her religion, it's her way of life. This is the path that she has chosen. Um, by the way, just so you know, she's uh, she's um, seeking a jury trial and along with uh, $1 in damages from each of the, the prisoner's chaplains, which is, is interesting. Um, but some of the stuff she's looking for is um, she wants to be allowed to practice Wicca and she's also had a list of demands of stuff she wants to be allowed in the prison, including the Book of Shadows, which... I don't know what the Book of Shadows is. If you'd said that to me, I would have said that's some type of Harry Potter book or, you know, the Voldemort was practicing. I, I have no idea. And she wants certain clothing. She wants tarot cards. She wants food. She wants a wand. And she wants permission to light candles in a fire. Um, the one thing I found, you know, ironic, and I don't know about witchcraft. I, so if I've got this wrong, um, I, I apologize. But, you know, the one thing I, when I read this was like, do, do you not want a voodoo doll, you know, with prisoner or with the 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 prison guards faces on them that you know you could you could put pins in certain places you know i want this no you can't have it. okay well i'm just going to put a pin in your arm or in your leg or somewhere um no voodoo dolls apparently just the book of shadows clothing tarot cards food a wand and permission to light fires and candles um the the plaintiff said that she shouldn't have to change her religion to get on the proper diet interesting um one thing i find frustrating is in this crazy world that we live in is sometimes people have more rights in prison than they do outside of prison. And, you know, you go to prison, you've committed some crime and I'm not saying starve you or I'm not saying don't give you basic, basic human rights, but where the people treat prison like, yeah, I want my tarot cards. Really? Really? It's a crazy world and I don't know how this case is going to go, but, uh, it's it's interesting. We live in a crazy world. And to finish up today's show, I'm going to give you the craziest thing I missed. So I've been as I haven't been paying attention to the news, but apparently conservatives have a new icon. They have a new icon, a new hero in their world, and that icon is is not someone to get excited about. It's it's Kanye West. Now look, I know people are very divided on this issue. Um, can we stop having icons and heroes when someone says one thing the right way and especially when it's Kanye freaking West like seriously this is the guy who a couple of months ago was going on Twitter asking Mark Zuckerberg to invest in his million dollar ideas this guy is famous for and I know people if you're a Kanye West music fan close your ears for 30 seconds this is a guy who's famous for marrying a Kardashian a reality TV store star this is who were is awesome you know I've never been so happy to to miss a story in all my life and I was never so happy to miss that boat because I'm hoping that boat has passed because I don't want any part of Kanye being a hero um 
if we can get to a point where we actually discuss real issues, you know, have real heroes, you know, there are plenty of real heroes in society right now. Um, people who actually change the world. People, you know, like, um, historically, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Ben Franklin, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Calvin Coolidge, Ronald Reagan, Adam Smith, Tom, uh, Milton Friedman. There are plenty of people. Iron Rand. There are plenty of people who you can have as heroes who actually have justification. They've done major things in society. There are plenty of people who do things on the ground who are making major differences. You know, you can have people like Tim Ballard, people like Glenn Beck, people like Ben Shapiro, other political commentators who have a long track record. Hate them or not, they have a long track record of standing for what they believe in and have not changed. Kanye West, does it take one tweet to support someone like Candace Owens to be a hero now? Is that all it takes? Is the bar that low for conservatism that you will take Kanye West as a hero? Now, I know who Candace Owens is and in her support. Kudos that he did it. But let's not make him a cult star. Let's not make him some type of hero. People have been fighting in this movement. And I say this not on behalf of me or anyone else. I say this on factually on behalf. There have been people fighting for liberty. And I mean real liberty. A long time. There are people who have been fighting for liberty since the 2000s. They fought the Bush administration. They were part of the Tea Party. They were part of movements. Whether you like them or not, they were part of Ron Paul movements. They were part of movements in 2012 and 2016 and will continue to be fighters for real liberty, for constitutional principles, for freedom that will have stood the test of time. Make some of them your heroes, not Kanye West. Actually, sorry, I'm not going to tell you who your hero is, but as conservatives, I think we need to have an honest conversation about if Kanye West is your hero right now, then that is a... That is the biggest reflection of the conservative movement in 2018, and that's why we need to have a conversation about these things. Um, I know this is going to divide a lot of people. I know a lot of people are excited about this, thinking it's some type of great move in the culture warrior shift. If Kanye West is, has moved anything, I don't know what it is. It should be welcomed. Kudos, he said, one great tweet. Um, but there will be plenty of other tweets, and I would just say this. Be careful who you get in bed with. I hope today's show has given you something to think about. Um, I'll keep you updated on all the stories if you follow me on social media. Twitter at Freedom Disciple. Facebook at Jonathan Dunn 58 um, I'll be keeping everyone updated on the Alfie Evans situation. It's a story close, so close to my heart. Um, please continue to pray for him. Please thank. I want to thank everyone for sharing all the stories about him because you made a difference. Everyone who shared that article helped to get mainstream publicity. And that it is because of you, I believe Alfie Evans is still alive. Please keep praying for him. We've witnessed a miracle. He is still alive at recording of this on Friday. And God willing, he'll still be alive going forward. And hopefully we can find a good ending for this story. Because, man, we need a good positive ending to, to a good story. 
Until next week, at Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, we finish up the same way we do every week, by saluting your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets, the men and women who risk their lives 24-7 for a better, brighter, safer tomorrow. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Now, if you've listened to nothing I have said today, listen to these following words. They're critical. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. That is the history and the secret of your success. It's not because of politicians or Supreme Court justice. It's because of how each and every one of you have acted and stepping up and been a voice for the voiceless and helping your fellow man and advancing. America is great because Americans are good. Please never, ever, ever forget that. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed and peaceful week. God bless you and God bless America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.